have a very high veteran population, mm-hmm. a lot of people suffering from PTSD and stuff like that. And then you've got this meth crisis and other opioids and stuff like that, that it leads to other bad things. I'm Flint Anderson, founder of Pain, parents and addicts in need. I've been in recovery since 2001, and there isn't much I don't know about recovery. And my mission is to constantly tell the truth about addiction, to make the realities of addiction, recovery, and drug culture known, and to drive awareness and advocate change that ultimately saves lives. And I'm Jason Lachance, a certified recovery coach with a passion for speaking with others and sharing their knowledge to help others seek recovery and maintain long-term sobriety. And this is the Don't Hide the Scars podcast, presented by Pain, parents and addicts in need. Well, it's nice to have another Lakers fan in the house, Nick Garcia, the here host I am. with uh, Action News ABC 30. Thanks for joining founder of Pain, Flynn Anderson, myself, Jason Lachance on Don't Hide the Scars. Well, thank you guys for having me and thank you for doing this this podcast and for for just ha- running pain because it it's good work thank you mate. we've talked a lot about it you yeah. know over the years and we, and we definitely appreciate you guys and the coverage that you give us and, and give this this topic it's it's extremely important so thank you well, i gotta tell you every time we're doing a story about whether it's an overdose or you know a, a big fentanyl bus and i call flint up come on down <laughs> right yeah, pretty much <laughs> and it's helpful we were uh, we were talking and it, I guess sort of joking but very very serious is that like look if you a recover out loud let alone step into this you better be available you better realize what you're getting yourself into and it's I mean everyone is that's a twelve step person knows the servitude part but this is like this is like solely it that's like all we do it's all we do it's fine right be either you know multimedia through this or actually Flint running the groups on Wednesday nights or now we have the uh, Tuesday night uh, open twelve step meeting and whatever it is it's like we just that's what we have to do that's why we ask for help so we can mm-hmm. offer more. Right. Well, that's something I've learned from from you know talking with Flint so much is you don't want to rush into it, right. and so and and from my perspective as a reporter, we all, always want to get families of victims to talk with us, and sometimes it's too soon and too early. But I always leave my card and say, "Call me when you're ready," because it truly can save a life to share their story, right. to share your story. Uh, you don't know who's listening. You don't know who's watching. You know, just like this podcast now, you don't know who's listening. Maybe it's, you know, when it airs or maybe it's a few months down the road or years, but just the awareness helps. Mm -hmm. And so I always, I know that when I encounter a family or, or somebody, whether it's, whether it's, you know, opioid or drug related or whether it's a horrible shooting or stabbing, it's likely their worst day of their life. And I know that that's tough. We're not looking for the ratings. I'm not looking for the ratings. I'm not looking to talk to you to, you know, get clicks or get more viewers. I truly am thinking about let's do justice to your loved one who died. And let's try to save another life because someone watching tonight might pick up the phone and call the helpline or, you know, seek help from an organization like Payne. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, I just, I just, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I saw a story about that young man in Las Vegas. Mm. Did you, did you see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe his name is Jonathan Lewis. I'm going to say his name again. Jonathan Lewis, 17 years old. He was at a local high school. Um, he was surrounded by, uh, there was a, another young man 
who was much smaller than he was, was getting pummeled by a group of other students mm -hmm. at the school. I don't know the reason why they were beating the hell out of this one kid, but this Jonathan Lewis rushes in and they killed him. Oh. And these teenagers from 13 to 17 murdered this kid. Mm -hmm. And um, for, for, first of all, it's, it's, it's such a tragedy to begin with, because mm -hmm. this young man was actually trying to go in and save and help somebody else. And these other kids beat him to death with, with, with no, no regard. But I also have to ask myself, because of what I do, mm -hmm. the kids that beat the hell out of him, were, 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 were they high? You know? Because I, I truly believe in most circumstances, whenever there's violence, whenever there's um, violence of any kind, whether it's rape, whether it's g gunshots, whether it is, I would venture to say that 99% of the time there's drugs involved somewhere with this. Even, yeah, even with 15, 16, and 17 year olds. Mm -hmm. But what, what a shame. Wow. Yeah. Look, look into that story, because it's all, it's all over. Did it happen on campus? I believe it did. Mm. I believe it did. Wow. Yeah. Or close Horrifying. to the campus. Right. Right. Or, or very close to it. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting point you raised, though. You know, drugs, we see it so much leads to violence, mm -hmm. you know, or, or many other, other issues. You know, I think I've shared with both of you before. I worked in Montana. It was my first uh, reporting job about six years ago. And meth, the meth crisis yeah. was just insane. It still is there. And it's just everywhere because it's inexpensive. Right. It's easy to access. And you think Montana is... Easy to make. Easy to make. Yep. Oh, yeah. Montana's closer to the Canadian border than the southern border, but it, it still gets up there and leads to so many other, other things. Violence, suicide. Right. Montana yeah. has one of the highest per capita suicide rates. I didn't know that. In the country. You know, only about a million people live there. We have a very high veteran population. Mm -hmm. A lot of people suffering from PTSD and stuff like that. And then you've got this meth crisis and other opioids and stuff like that. That it leads to other bad things. Yeah. Especially in areas where it's that open because yes. a lot of people that I know I have friends that moved to Montana because I want space I want to, well you That's also end up in isolation and that is the worst thing I mean what you're talking about at the top of the podcast and and why you do what you do and it's like you know all those other things rating and all that it'll, it'll come just if you're doing the right thing and it also offers that sense of community and it's been proven for the last 70 years, the two greatest things that help people in recovery is, is a solid community and a faith in a higher power. And boy, you get out there on your own. It's pretty scary. Have you guys ever seen a movie called Wind River? Wind River. With Jeremy Renner? No. This is this, what you just said mm -hmm. is this movie. Mm. Um, but it takes place on a Native American reservation. And yeah. And meth is involved. Um, the violence that goes along with it. And by the way, it's just in this movie. It just wasn't 
the Native Americans that were going through this. There was there's there's an oil company mm-hmm. that was on this land, and you had men from all over the world that were working there. And these guys turned to violence because of of uh, of, of alcohol and meth use. Very interesting movie to watch. Um, it was on it's on Netflix, but typifies what you just said. I'm going to add it to my list. I'm going to watch it this weekend because that is that is Montana. That I mean, and it takes place in Montana. I believe it. You know that yeah. there, there are several reservations there. Right. You know, which unfortunately are very poverty stricken in a lot of cases. Yes. And then it's so remote. You know, people go there to be remote, and if they right. move out of, from out of state to there, and um, it's it's a scary combination. It 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 really is, and. You know, and and the other thing is, you know, a lot of people don't realize that just because somebody's Native American, that doesn't mean they're making millions of dollars every month. Right. You know, um, there's a lot of poverty. There is a substance abuse among Native American Indians is mm-hmm. extremely high. No matter if it's Alaska, if it's Montana, if it's Oklahoma, doesn't matter where it is. It's extremely high. So. Um, uh, it, it's it's something that we've we've tried to address over the years, you know. Um, I've I've actually spoken in front of Native American mm-hmm. uh, uh, organizations. Um, very difficult to get into. Yeah. Very difficult. Very. You know. Um, but like like like, and my point here to this is, it doesn't matter if you're Native American, if you're Caucasian, if you're German, if you're Hispanic, if you're African American. It doesn't matter. Doesn't it affects, discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. It affects mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. I'm glad you made that point, though. Growing up in Southern California, there are a lot of tribal casinos, and you just yes. think, okay, you know, that's not the case mm-hmm. for yeah. the tribes here in the valley, right, or in Montana, right. And that was a whole new, you know, eye-opening experience for me to go on to the reservations right. and and tell those stories as well. And, and it's beyond drugs and alcohol. It's yeah. people going missing mm-hmm. and, and never being found. There is an interesting quote at the end of this movie or interesting statement that they put on there because this has to do with females mm-hmm. basically in this, in, this, in this movie. And the statement at the end is, goes something like this. I, I can't quote it verbatim. Um, but there are national statistics on missing women in the United States, but among Native American women, there are no statistics whatsoever. Hmm. So they don't know what has happened to these women when they when they've gone missing. Yes, it's the MMIW, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Is that what it's called? Movement. Yeah. And it's very prevalent there. And I've tried to break in, and I'm still working on it here, because they're missing from everywhere. And yeah. a lot of these women you never hear from. Right. When I first moved there, the, the month prior, a woman went missing. Her name is Jermaine Charlot. And she's still missing. And it's it's believed that her boyfriend or estranged, estranged boyfriend killed her. But the body's never been found. And so there are countless, countless. literally countless cases like that yeah. that we just don't hear about. Right. Right. You know, let's, let, 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 let's go down to the southern border. Yes. Right? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, look, and there are some great organizations in Fresno. Breaking the Chains is, oh, is, yeah. is one of them. I love those ladies. You know, um, um, but let me tell you something. I don't know why this isn't discussed more out mm-hmm. there, Mr. Mr. Newsman. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hint, hint. All right. Um. 
New Perceptions North, the premier drug and alcohol treatment and recovery center in Central California. A full continuum of medically supervised top quality care with programs for detox and patient residential treatment with dual diagnosis, intensive outpatient treatment, sober living support groups, and more. New Perceptions North provides adult men and women with the highest caliber of professional health care, treating each client with compassion and respect in a safe, comfortable environment to begin the process of recovery to proudly create and sustain a life without addiction. Call 559-978-1507 or visit newperceptionsnorth.com. When you're trafficking women and and children as a, as a whole, but since we're what's wrong, what you people don't think that 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 drugs are involved here? Mm. What, how do you think these, these, these sex traffickers are keeping these women and children under control? Mm-hmm. They are giving them drugs. They are giving them highly addictive drugs like fentanyl, like methamphetamine, because once they're addicted to it, they're not going to go anywhere. They can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I, but where are the stories about that? Where well, is yes. the outrage for that? Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's interesting because, and speaking of the southern border, I went from Montana, I worked in El Paso for a couple of years. Right. And it was the same stories in, in that sense. Human trafficking is everywhere, unfortunately. And you're right, that's part of the game, yeah. the drugs, the control. And I feel sometimes like the reporter, I can't imagine how you guys feel just always harping, getting the word out about, you know, drug abuse and, and recovery. I feel the same way because I'm like, I'm telling the story. I'm doing the story. It's got to be on a higher level. It's got to keep becoming national news. Right. The whole missing and murdered indigenous women. How had I never heard about that until I moved there? I didn't hear about it till just now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? Why? Many right? days old. Why? Right? Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and, and to, to your point, it's just we can do the stories on a local level. And, and hope that enough people are watching that night and hope that the right people are watching that night right. to make it take off. And, I, you know, as I've said before, I could do a story on this kind of stuff every week if I could. Right. Um, and obviously, you know, we cover everything, you know, sure. from, from car wrecks to, you know, the new taxes and, and stuff sure. like that. But. But you're right. I, I, I often ask myself, how do we get the word out more? So let me ask you this question. You just you just said something that struck a chord with me. So when you guys are doing a story mm-hmm. and you're talking about a car wreck, mm-hmm. right? And now you have a story over here, a potential story of of fentanyl use or a, a, a woman gone missing. To me, mm-hmm. to to the average citizen that's sitting out there watching, I don't care about the car wreck. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to say that that kind of tells me that that's about a rating thing, mm. or 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 that that the news people understand their audience mm. better than I do, mm. and that's what people want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is 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 that part of it? You know, Flynn, it and d- I don't want to put you on the spot, no. but I wish I had all the answers. But, right. uh, but yeah. I think that one way of looking at it is it depends. Mm-hmm. It depends on where the car wreck happened. Sure. You know, is it causing a big traffic delay? Is it yeah. right in front of somebody's house and yeah. stuff like that? Did it cause a fire? Is it 
multiple cars? Did somebody die? Those are the kind of questions we're asking sure. before we decide, okay, let me throw this other story to the side. And we usually try to still get that in the show. It may not just be fronted by a reporter like me, uh, but it'll be somewhere in there. Oftentimes, you know, if it's happening now, that's usually what, what we're going to go to right. and cover. Right. And, and in a lot of times, if it is a, a, an in-depth story on a missing person, we want to get that on the air. Because of course. those critical early hours right. are really critical, you right. know, in finding somebody who's missing right. or, or something. Yeah, well, and I think the thing that people don't understand, having worked in radio, did a little mm -hmm. bit of television, mostly in production too, is, you know, some people, well, I'm not, I'm not, you guys never do stories about X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, A, in the day and age when news is turning over so fast, do you go to the website? Do you follow the channel mm -hmm. on social media? Because I do. Because those I stories are there, right? Because they're right. there. They live. They're right. great. I've been educated. You great do point. awesome work. Great point. You know, and so it's it's hard that I don't think people understand. We can't take a half an hour news show and right. just plug in half an hour of fentanyl overdose. We have so much different stuff to get to. Well, that's what the beauty of websites and social right. media. Right. I mean that that it's been it's sometimes a challenge to try to keep up with that too because we're doing a lot. But that is the beauty of it because I see my my own friends on social media saying, "Why isn't the news covering this?" Or and I get messages from people. There's no story about. This. Did you look at your local news station? Right. Their website. And then I'll go and sometimes, if I have time, <laughs> do the research and say, here it is. Right. <laughs> they did something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what would I, look? This was a few years ago where I where I came up with this idea that too bad we couldn't whether it's published somewhere or or spoken on the news, where again every day we gave the number of overdoses for mm. that day. Mm. Just simply gave the number. 8,000 people today in the United States die of an overdose, and three people today died of an overdose in Fresno County. Hmm. Boom. Five seconds worth of one, one line. Okay? One line. Why can't something like that be done? That's a good question, and that's something I'm going to bring back to the station and ask about. And in the old days, when <clears throat> when when we were really into the prescription drug mm -hmm. mess, mm -hmm. right, with Purdue Pharma and doctors overprescribing because they really can't right now because the, the way the system is set up. I mean, there's still doctors that do, but sure. but I really wanted to publish every day. Even if even if a news station, and I guarantee it's not going to happen. But even but even if they ran that little thread the underneath the ticker underneath <laughs> the names of the doctors that overprescribed for that day, mm. because you can find out mm -hmm. it's 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 all public information on what a doc, not the person they prescribed it to. Mm -hmm. But when you start putting up numbers. There's a local doctor here that prescribes 240 painkillers mm. every month besides about four other drugs mm. every month to each one of his patients. Yeah. It's criminal. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that... I know there's legal stuff that yeah, goes along with that as yes, well. There is. Okay, okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that stupid. Okay. But just You'd thought. be hearing from a lot of lawyers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. But no, I think that part of the answer is, and then shameless plug here, killer high. The mm -hmm. ABC 30 original documentary kind of tackled some of that because I'm also often thinking, what more can I do? Right. I can talk to Flint. I can talk to the law enforcement. I can talk to the DA. I can talk to a victim's family. 
and I often want to do more. Right. And I feel like until you're thrown into this, you're not paying attention. Right. I meet so many families, and I know you do too, no idea about the epidemic we're right. facing right now until it impacts them. You're right. You, 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 you are 100% correct mm -hmm. in that. I, I think everybody knows what fentanyl is because how do you not? You can't swing a dead cat anywhere in this, in this country without hearing about fentanyl. But until it impacts that family, it just kind of, you know, right, right over somebody's head, um, which, 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 which again is a shame. But, but again, you said something that just struck a chord with me, okay? You know, and, it's, and, it's, and again, you, you said it correctly, you know, what can I do more as a reporter, okay? Well, I got a couple ideas. All right, okay. <laughs> I'm taking notes. And, okay, and, and it, but, it, but again, it, you know, it, 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 it depends. And I'm gonna give you the perfect example. We're gonna take San Francisco here for a second, mm -hmm. right? 500, I think it's a 500, I'm not off by much, $539 million budget for substance use disorder and mental health in San Francisco. They have a total of 57 beds for over 25,000 mm -hmm. drug users mm -hmm. in the city of San Francisco. There are other counties that have these budgets, and it's the same thing. Where's the money going? Mm -hmm. Why is there only 57 beds? Instead of promoting free needles, fentanyl test strips, to keep these people high, mm -hmm. like Tom said, Tom Wolf, yeah. Tom said he's big in San Francisco on this. Somebody can't get into treatment in San Francisco, they can go buy fentanyl for $5. 57 beds. Now that doesn't include private treatment centers, but most of these people don't have private insurance. Right, it's expensive. It's expensive, mm -hmm. right? Until we change the treatment, and I'm talking about county treatment now, I'm talking mm -hmm. about people with Medi-Cal. Why does it take for some counties two years after a treatment center is established in an area, why does it take two years for that county to approve that treatment center to accept Medi-Cal? When in that particular county, there is one, one one treatment center that takes Medi-Cal and it's full all the time. So the other people that need the help, mm -hmm. they are constantly 30 to 60 days out of just getting one person in. Mm -hmm. What is the problem? What's the holdup? If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Payne, Parents and Addicts in Need at 559 579-1551 or visit us online at paynonprofit.org. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Pain Nonprofit. And please subscribe to the Don't Hide the Scars podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube.
And if you would like to donate to Pain, Parents and Addicts in Need, please click the link in the description to make your tax-deductible donation today and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. You know, we've had this conversation a few times in the past, I don't know, two or three stories that we've done together, whether it was floral fentanyl or ISO or whatever, whatever the latest was on the streets, but getting into the treatment. I think that you're right. Everybody knows about fentanyl now. Hopefully, now we can kind of turn the conversation to the treatment. The solution. The solution. Even though it's not, uh, even though it, it is, it is, it is not. Because people will go, well, there's, there's no cure for it. They're right. right. There isn't. Okay. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that 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 all these people are going to be cured. Mm-hmm. But we have to give them an opportunity. No. Then the decision's in their lap. Why do you think? Is it the stigma? You know, what do you think? Because I got my answer. <laughs> it's so. It's a freaking hydra. Here, I'm going to go the insurance route real quick. I got some dental issues. I pay for insurance, but granted, it's a subsidized kind. They're not going to cover the crowns I need to get, so I got to come up with $3,200. Well, if you have that same insurance and I went to Flint, hey, uh, Flint, unfortunately, I fell off. I really think I need to do a 30-day stay. Guess what? The insurance I pay for, it's not Medi-Cal. It's still insurance I pay for. It's not going to cover that stay. So you have people that are... If you're the Medi-Cal route or nothing, you're SOL, or there's these very limited spaces, or even if you're a person like me that is working lower middle class, whatever it is, you're still SOL. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it is just the accessibility. Mm -hmm. And then I do think stigma is still there. There's still some families that look at many of things as, shameful and not strong but that's when i try to tell people that have reached out to me it's like yeah they say blood's thicker than water unless it's poison you know sometimes i'm sorry that that's your problem that's you taking a look at the root of where a lot of your issues are and you want to get a better life that includes long-term sobriety stuff you got to take a look at well just like we've said before it doesn't discriminate on race it doesn't discriminate on the pocketbook either and and it's like it's you can be poor you can be rich in dealing with these issues um but unfortunately i think that a lot of people who are on the poor side are the ones who struggle more to get treatment they 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 are sure yeah they are there's no doubt about it they're gonna look for more situations to adjust their nervous system if you're say you're working two three jobs just to keep yourself afloat or whatever it is and you know that's taxing you get home and you're just like well you know let's say it's anxiety well there's a really good thing you can stop at that corner store and pick up and you know start to drink and the more it starts to work against that anxiety the more your mind's going to go more of that Mm -hmm. and you're on your way to a problem yeah Mm -hmm. you know let alone if it's the wrong crowd or whatever it is and they're like you know here try this pill well what is it oh it's just a xanax mm-hmm. well and they're and it's not it's not but you know you talk about this the stigma piece and um i'm starting to take little issue with that word stigma um because there are people out there that that, that that's that's what they do they want to erase the stigma mm-hmm. of addiction the stigma is going to be there i think we've done a fairly good job of trying to erase that to to some degree 
we're never going to erase it. I hope this makes sense. If we somehow could revamp the treatment system, if we could somehow, and this is going to take years, by the way, and if we could somehow see the successes that we have with, because there are successes out there. There's a lot of us out there that are still clean and sober today. I think that stigma will start to chip away. But we're, but, but we're not showing everybody the results. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not showing everybody because everybody see, what, what people see are, are, are all these people in San Francisco walking around like zombies. Mm -hmm. They're not seeing that with, with, with treatment, those people can actually get better. Mm -hmm. but, they're, but, 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 but again, they're, look, there's going to be some addicts out there that are going to go, I don't want it. Yeah. Okay? I, I'm afraid. I don't want it. I like it. I like getting high, blah, blah, blah. Fine. Your, your choice. Just don't taxi the system, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Right? But there are people that, and there's reasons why, again, there are reasons why people don't get help. The number one reason why they, there's two reasons why they don't get help. They are deathly afraid of the withdrawal symptoms because they think that they're going to be thrown in a room and say, good luck to you. Nobody wants to go through that. And by the way, you don't have to anymore. Medical detox is there. Mm -hmm. It's, it's doable. You're not going to feel like shit. So you've got, you've got that piece of it. The other piece of it is the addict is afraid because that's all they know. Mm. What do we call it? The two-block radius. Yeah. We all live in the two-block radius. So, so if we can show some successes... I think that would go miles mm -hmm. in this. But we're not going to be able to show the successes if we're not offering anybody a solution. Mm. I don't know. We've talked about this before. There's, it seems like the solution, yeah, there's two, two aspects to it, two prongs. It's like treatment, which is important, but also prevention. You bet. And it's, it has to start younger and younger. And it's like high school's not enough. You're Maybe right. middle school's not enough. Uh, I've asked Flint before, but Jason, you know, I'm curious. If you magically were appointed to just solve the problem, what would you do? Oh, Lord. Here we go. <laughs> you know how that lotto thing has gotten up to a billion dollars? Mm -hmm. That would go a heck of a long ways. But if somebody just, if somebody really just wanted to do good, not that we're, like we're told, but actually put boots to asses and got to it, you could make a huge dent. But we'd have to stop looking at the situation, especially with the homeless addiction crisis as, well, we're protecting their right to be out there and live on the street. And it's like, no, stop, that's inhumane. These people are a harm to themselves. They need some interdiction to come in and say, look, hey, we're here for you. When we're not like Flint said, we're not taking you, throwing you in a room, mm -hmm. but we're showing, gonna show you the light. Mm -hmm. Like we're gonna show you the light. 
And I and whenever I will, you know, we've had interaction with the younger people, there seems to be teenagers almost like a helplessness on where mm-hmm. to go with their lives. Mm-hmm. And I see that as a lot of the gateway for a lot of them. Do you think that's more recent? <sighs> yeah. Mm. I think the pandemic screwed up a lot of kids. Yeah, it did. That isolation, mm-hmm. that being shut Everybody. down. I mean, I relapsed during it. I, I don't know. Night slip up, relapse, whatever. Slip you want up. To call Yours it. was a slip. Um, it's uh, yeah. So I think we, and I think we got to stop looking at. You know, there's a lot of funding for mental health issues now. Why are you not lumping this into it? Mm-hmm. If you're going to prescribe a medication over here to help someone with them, why why aren't you going to prescribe something under a supervision supervision of those that know to detox and taper them off mm-hmm. and get them involved with other programs? If they're if you're going to offer therapy, why not offer therapy there too? Mm-hmm. I have yet to meet an addict that either didn't have some trauma growing up or in their addiction then created a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have to be a healing process too. The pandemic, you're right, it just it knocked everybody out of whack. I think one really positive of the pandemic, though, was it raised a lot of awareness about mental health. It did. And I think now we just have to figure out what to do with all that. Now, we know it's there. More people than ever realize that it's a problem, and it's been here for a long time, longer than we've you know really recognized. But now it's like, well, how do we deal with that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's an understanding, too, of people that, that they'll, they'll go, you know, mental health, mental health. But then you can ask some people, like, do you even know really right. by definition what good mental health is? You know, it's, right. it's having a strong self-identity. Right. You know, and so a lot of people, they, they, they just say it because it's, it's, it's what we're saying. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, there's so many facets to that. Mm-hmm. I've suffered from depression and anxiety. I've done the work to, I can't remember the last time I had an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The depression moments, they're not actual in depression anymore. It might just be a lull or whatever it is. It's, and, it, and I don't say that like, pat my back. It's like, right. people, you can do this. But yep. I did the work. I made sure to connect with people. I have an amazing mentor sitting to my left. I've got so many wonderful things that I've gotten involved with. It's all there and available to you. And yet there's some of those things that people extra need, Mm -hmm. like we were saying with the insurance and 57 beds in a city of 25,000 addicts, you know, it's where's the availability for them. And I Especially also, in San Francisco, because oh uh, a dear friend of mine, her brother's there, and she's afraid he's going to die because, mm. guess what? He sent a picture of the place that he's staying, that they're putting him up. It's nice. He's not working. He gets enough money for it, and he sent a picture of his m- two new pairs of Jordans and matching Jordans hats. Mm. Like, what's the incentive there? Mm. Where's, right. where's the incentive? You're not going to hit rock bottom. Flint had a, you know, your rock bottom, my rock bottom, you know. You know, we talked about medical detox and being a thing. You're not going to be thrown in a room, but do you have to hit rock bottom? No. To get help? No. Mm. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Not, and by the way, not everybody's going to hit a rock bottom. Okay. And, and just to be real clear on my view on rock bottom is that there isn't one. Rock bottom is death. Mm. We always have 10 more feet to dig. Until you don't. Until you don't. Right? Now, you can use the term rock bottom because, you know, I, I do believe that people have that, that 
place, whatever you want to call it, that they finally go, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But you don't have to be homeless. You don't have to be crapping yourself walking down the street. You, you, you don't have to be in that position. But most people don't know where to turn. And when they do turn, they're, they're only going to turn two places, to the private sector or to the, 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 the I'll, I call it the government side of it. And when you deal with the government side of it, it's a nightmare. The phone call's a nightmare. Hmm. Not once in a county-run system in their 19-minute... <laughs> we tested this. We tested this. Their 19-minute voicemail, especially after 5 o'clock when everybody goes home. Mm -hmm. Do you know there's not one place in there where it says if you need inpatient detox, push this button. Call this number. Nowhere. Nowhere. That's the national hot that's the national hotline says the same thing and then it reverts right back to the county you're from. Mm -hmm. And it says the exact same thing. Or they can call a private treatment center and if they don't have insurance they're going to get the shock of their life on how expensive it is and they're going to hang up. Mm -hmm. But there's reasons why the private sector is that expensive. Right. Because a where we live what what we in private treatment, I mean, again, I, I know people are gonna go, oh, poor you. Okay, well, guess what? Yeah, mm -hmm. we can't help the people that we want to help because we've got a state, we've got a government that is sucking most treatment centers dry, mm -hmm. especially starting out. It's enormous. The, 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 the restrictions, the, the taxes, the this, the that, it's, it's un, dealing with the state itself is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So those are the two options that somebody has when they're, when they're calling for help. And it shouldn't have to be that way. And, and why can't private and government work together on this? We're more than willing. We are more than willing. And maybe on a later podcast, we can talk about some of those because I do have some solutions mm -hmm. for, 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 for this county of ours that I love. But until we can get people listening to what we're saying, it's just going to be the same old crap, mm -hmm. you know, and nothing's, nothing's going to change. Again, just on a kind of a little side note. Yeah. You know, it's like Pam yesterday. You know, everybody's promoting, not everybody, because I don't believe in it, Most, a lot of people don't, are the fentanyl test strips. I'm gonna show you one. You need a degree in engineering oh. <laughs> to try to test mm. your drug. Mm. And there's all these steps to go through. And everybody and everybody's going, oh, just test your drugs. Just test, you know, well, first of all, they're wasting their drug to test it. And a drug addict is not going to waste their drug to test it. Mm. A drug addict that's, that's, that's going through a detox moment, mm -hmm. okay, is not going to spend the next 13 minutes, that's what it takes, the next 13 minutes, right, to unscrew it, dip it, clean it, wash it, what, 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 whatever the directions say on there, 
to wait to see if he just wasted most of his drug. You said 13 minutes. I just uh, want to back up to that. It's a little a shorter. How long is it? 10 minutes? I don't Maybe seven minutes. Seven, eight to an addict. Oh, it's forever. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're going through withdrawal symptoms. It's forever. Every minute. Yeah. Every second counts. Mm -hmm. When one is going through opioid withdrawals, there is nothing worse on this planet. I would rather have open heart surgery five times in a row, I'm dead serious, than to go through an opioid withdrawal, mm. especially after long-term use. It is brutal. Mm. It's brutal, it's ugly, it's pathetic. I, 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 I can't even give it justice to try to explain it. Mm. That's how bad it is. And until people, again, until people start to understand that, part of the message we're trying to get to Sacramento, to, to all these people, all yeah. the, the insurance people, you know, look, this, until you can give these people a place to go, this, is, this isn't gonna change. Mm -hmm. They're gonna always go to that drug first. On the other hand of that, we, you know, we kind of touched on prevention a little bit and, and okay. get it reaching, you know, younger people. Uh -huh. We've talked about this before too, is it, the scared straight method is that working does it work no no, no. I, I find when i speak and flint you, you know you, you cut me off or whatever with you i just tell them my story and i just say hey look where you're at in life like all this is available to you like but it's it, it is truly on you i know you feel powerless but there's disempowering decisions and empowering decisions and where your life goes, you know, I just try to encourage them, you know, ditch victimhood. Like mm. I know something, all of us have had some sort of trauma, be it a big one, a little one, whatever it is. Maybe that kid, you, girl you liked or whatever it was, rejected you in junior high mm. and it stuck with you or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? And, and losing your mom at an early age could be this variety of things. Mm. like. It, it is on you. You're stronger than you know. And there are empowering decisions and disempowering decisions. And either way, you're responsible, mm -hmm. no matter what. And sometimes it's nicer to go, I'm gonna do the right thing so I don't have to clean up a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. You know? But I but but I also think that when you're when you're talking to kids and there's another aspect to this, which I'll get to in a second. But when you're, when you're talking to kids in particular, it's not the scared straight thing that's going to frighten them into all of this. It's the truthful stories though, that have some meat in it. Mm. When, 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 when I was doing this a lot, because now I'm everybody's grandfather's age, right? Um, you know, when I would tell them stories of, of a situation I was in or how I was feeling or what I did in order to get my drug or who I may have harmed. Um, um, these, these kids are like this, mm. okay? They're paying attention. But this, this, and on a side note, I got a call from a young man yesterday from Chapman College in Chicago. Mm. They wanted to interview me to do, he's doing um, a project and they found us somehow, okay? And yeah, nine o'clock last night, this, this kid Noah, he calls me from Chicago. And it's, and it's a piece on addiction, but, but the love and kindness. And I said, how do you define love and kindness? I said, if you're assuming that you're just gonna love somebody through this, you're, you're down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. 
So how do you define love? How do you define kindness? How do you define compassion in this? Okay. There's, to me, there's too much of that. Again, I know I'll catch flack for this. There's too much of that without a consequence. And I believe that it's the parent that needs to hear this. Mm. Not the 12 year old, not the 15 year old, not even the 17 year old. It's the parent that needs to hear this. And we need the schools to allow us in to talk about this. Just not talk about the number of people we lost. That's important, hmm. but that's not what this is. Ab this is about not having to lose any more people. And this is what you do to stop losing more people. So that prevention piece is so important, but it's got the parents. And again, how do you? It's, it's a, right. how do you get the parent there? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's hard to convince right? some people that hey, you, you play into this, and be the most loving thing is to change your accessibility. Like, okay, if you're the one providing Junior at 24 years old with all of his financial means, it might be time you shut down that part. That, that that's actually being loving, like mm -hmm. letting them stand on their own. Like that's a very loving thing that's that, that some people, yeah. 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 Well, and I don't know that it's tough. Like there's no free meals in nature. Right. Nick, I mean, you've had to do, you had to leave LA, you had to go to Montana, then you had to go to New Mexico <laughs> because you had a goal and a thing. Right. It, was, it might hey, have been comfortable. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. <laughs> I'm sure it was. It, it might have been you real comfortable. Can. Maybe your family was like, I don't know, Nick. As you're, as you're sitting in the snow in Montana, <laughs> okay, and then you're going to 125 Feet degree snow. heat, right? <laughs> snow up to my eyes. <laughs> right, right. And you're going, get me a cab. Get me out of here. But, but, <laughs> but would it have been more loving if your family said, ah, no, just stay here. We're going to help you or hey we got your back it's going to be tough but don't forget we're here mm -hmm. that's loving yeah right i had a, i think I, there's I, confusion there was absolutely there is yeah. i had a parent one time walk in here i i, I will <laughs> I not say of, of, of what nationality this was okay but but seriously i, I met with the, the mom and the dad and she literally thought this was an old school mom okay and she thought if her son got married and ate more okay he would be just fine <laughs> i swear to god I just, I just looked at this lady. I just said, "Can you bring me a plate?" <laughs> because it, I love the food that she was, she was, she was making. If I did, I said, "Can you bring me a plate?" And then I said, "Lady, you're so off base. It's not even funny." Yeah. You know. But again, it's just, but, but there are still a lot of old school families like oh, that. Oh right? yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? And and also, you know, generations that have grown up with the just say no. Sure. The Red Ribbon Week. Sure. You know, once a week. Oh, what a farce. <laughs> uh, don't get me started right, on all right. that. Uh, yeah, and it, it really needs to be in, in everyday integration. Yeah. And we just spent, this country just spent, I can't tell you how many millions of dollars on Red Ribbon Week. Because mm -hmm. it was in October. Mm -hmm. You know. And by the way, now that October is over with, you know, where are all the... I still got my red hair. <laughs> <laughs> he does. You know, where are all the advocates now? Mm. I haven't seen anybody out there talking about it. You know, where are the people there that, that are in it, really, truly in it on a daily basis? In the trenches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
instead of just pick and choose when they want to come out and say something. Yeah. You know, go away. It's my comment to them. Mm. Go away. You're doing more damage than good. Well, we've talked about that too. I mean, yeah. there are people who, who mean well. Of course. But no sometimes question. it does more damage. But sometimes it does. Mm. Yeah. Especially if you're spouting, I hate the word misinformation. We sound too much like we're in the, the derangement period. But, but they are just, you know, misinform people or they overstep their knowledge on things. Yeah. It, 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 a very valuable thing to do, and I've really learned it in the time I've been here with Flint, is I don't know, but I know someone who does. Mm. Give me a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about you and about your station. Okay, seriously. I can only speak about with what we do sure. as, as a team. All right. You guys have never misquoted me. You've never misquoted anything that we have said here. You have been right on it from, from day one. And, and most of the stations around here have, mm-hmm. I, I have to say. The, the, we're, we're fortunate in Fresno not to blow smoke, mm-hmm. okay, but we are very fortunate to have a news media here that, um, that is supportive and they're, they're, they're not giving false information yeah. on, on this. There's integrity there. And, and we appreciate that. And I'm sure you guys don't get that a lot, but we appreciate it more than well, you realize. thank you. No, I, I appreciate to hear yeah. that. We are very, I'm thankful to be in the Fresno market because a lot of our viewers do recognize that. And, yeah. and it's something we take seriously, yeah. you know, and it's, it's gone through the people who get hired, you know, here as reporters. We take it very seriously. Right. It's, it's our integrity. It's our reputation. Yep. And, you know, you're, you're right. It, I see it across the board. I'm, I'm fortunate to be at ABC 30, where we really do right. take that. What you tell me, it's going to go in the story as is. I'm not going to do a, a gotcha piece and say, well, you know, Flint said this. And, right. you know, right. because we want our viewers to be informed. And I feel like local journalism, no matter where you are um, in the country, your local TV stations are there for you. We live in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to share misinformation. Right. And I think a lot of people hear something and they believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. And then they spread that. And that's how we have this big fake news and, and mm-hmm. misinformation problem is I hear so many people say, I get my news from YouTube. But who do you get your news from on YouTube? <laughs> right. Who is it? Is it, a, is it Joe Schmo? Right. Or is it a reporter who has done the work right you know and they're we're competing with a lot of people now you know everyone can be a journalist because they've got their phone right and and they can share it to tiktok or whatever and slice it up and cut it up and how is that being vetted right how is that being vetted right well it's the thing too that i I hope there's a shift and we've kind of talked about it but not in these words is that i do notice with our conversations, we will often go back to something to make sure we mm-hmm. that it landed with us mm. in the proper way. I think mm-hmm. that happens a lot with people too, is wherever they're at in that moment, mentally, emotionally, how something lands with them, then it's how we recall it from there that's usually attached to that motion and then it's then it's put out there and it's like Hey, you might want to go back and read that again or watch that again. You know, you ever talked with someone and they get something totally different out of a movie than you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, huh, 
<laughs> like what what state were you that movie made me so sad it's like what are you talking about they saved the little kids they found these abducted children it's like what, what do you mean yeah but they were abducted right that's sad but you know i think there's a lot of that that goes on with people too mm-hmm. and in this space that you know it's like you know narcan that'll get them sober it's like no, you know, do your research. I, you missed something there. You heard it saves lives, and so you connected it to sobriety and mm-hmm. whatever it is. I think that happens a lot. At least I see it. A well, lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like on this packet of, that I'm going to show you. Okay, when 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 we're off uh, of, the, of the fentanyl test strip, it says on the packet. By the way, it's from a company called Dance Safe. Oh, right. They are dance promoters. Right. So they're giving this to your kids that are going to their raves and their dances. All right. So Pop they. Molly. Huh? Pop and Pop Molly. Pop and Molly. So you can test your Molly and your cocaine. Okay, which, yeah, right. They're going to do that too. Okay. But on the packet, it says make, basically make sure you carry Narcan with you. Mm. Oh, okay. Dance safe. Do you honestly think that the addict is able to self-administer Narcan when they're going into an opioid overdose? Or even the casual user. Right, the ca- right? You, you can't. What do you mean? So, so be specific. At least, at least do what's right here. Be specific. You might have to say, make sure someone you're with has Narcan. Instead of, instead of now giving that message that, oh, hey, if I just take it with me, I'm going to be good to go. Yes. And hope that oh. <laughs> you and your three friends, that all of you aren't using the same drug. Oh, right. my goodness. Right, right. Well, on the note of Narcan, which we've come strides. Yep. Because strides, yep. I remember I was in Montana six years ago, and I remember doing the first story I ever did with Narcan then and learning about it. But then to move to different parts of the country and even come back here and realize that people didn't realize that this was widely available oh, yeah. for a long time, for oh, yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, I feel like in the last couple of years, we see it a lot more, but it's like, you could have gotten it six plus years ago. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Abs- absolutely. Again, it seems like because of lack of information, mm-hmm. I, 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 we're, we're always a step behind. We're always 10 steps behind on whatever disaster is coming our way. You know, and, and again, I'm not going to get all political here, but we should have stopped Hitler in 1939. Mm-hmm. Seriously, mm-hmm. you stop his ass in 1939. We don't have World War II. We don't have six million people massacred. And right now, history is repeating itself. If we if we don't put a stop to it, again, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to say I'm this 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 great. Wizard. Futuristic mind here, wiz- right, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> uh, okay. Come see Flynn Anderson, the right, right, right. But damn it, I saw this coming, okay, in 2011 and in 2012. The writing was on the wall. I, As soon as that first Purdue story hit, I was up every school's butt here in, in, in the area and was in those schools. And said basically, and, and again, all over the place. Look, look, this is this is what's coming. We we heard about fentanyl when when Russia was actually shipping it to the east part of the United on the eastern seaboard of the United States. Okay, China wasn't even involved yet, and now look. 
so we're, we're constantly repeating ourselves with, with historically mm. and 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 so but to bring to, to go back to your point of, of the narcan yeah it, it's but it's also look I, mean, I don't need it i mean my you know it's not i don't even know what it is right mm. That's why it's just so massively important that we continue to get to parents. And what's and there's two places to get to parents. There's only two, in my opinion, schools and churches. And neither, neither of them think they have a problem. Hmm. Neither. I've been doing this, what, 15 years? I've spoken to two churches. Two. Uh huh. Two. Because That's shocking. Unbelievably shocking. Mm -hmm. A, they. There's reasons why they don't allow sure. us in. They don't want to give up the pulpit on Sunday morning. By the by the way, that's that's the audience we need is on Sunday morning because that's when everybody shows up. Not everybody shows up on a Wednesday night church service. Mm -hmm. Not everybody shows up on a Tuesday night, you know, coffee clatch. We need to be in front. And I'll tell you what, when I did that to these two churches, it was phenomenal mm. how these people responded to it. It just was phenomenal. And I'll never forget, I, my, my opening line to one of these churches was, it was interesting, when, when we went and the place was packed, and again, the majority of these of, of, of the congregants were kids that went to Clovis West and Buchanan and Bullard and those mm -hmm. schools. And they had, it was, it was um, every, every, once a Sunday, they celebrate all the little five-year-olds and six-year-olds' birthdays, hmm. okay? And it was just cute, all right? You got all these little kids running around, okay? And, uh, and then the pastor called me up. And my opening line was, this is probably the most beautiful thing I said I could, I could see today. Right? I said, but I'm gonna wonder how many of these kids I'm gonna see 10 years from now. Hmm. So I hope you're all listening today. Yeah. Because that's, and, I, and, and, and again, as statistics go, there's probably three or four of them that have gone down that road, mm. you know? So the importance of parents. So again, we're gonna go back to the newscaster, <laughs> Nick Garcia, my favorite newscaster in the world, okay? Is it appropriate for a newscaster, a news station, to go to a school and say, why aren't you allowing this? Mm. It's a fair question. I think it is. It's a fair question. I think it is. But they have to bring the right people in. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. You got to bring the right people in. It's one thing to bring in an out-of-town, mm -hmm. half-assed celebrity to tell their story that gets paid $25,000 and gets back on the plane and goes home again to the people that actually live in the community and know what they're talking about 
and leave something with the people they're talking with. I can't get more honest than that. Oh, because you're here. Yep. And if, if that strikes a student, they can find you. They can come here and talk to you. Right. Mm -hmm. By the way, seven days a week, anytime, day or night. Well, it takes me back to the beginning. You're going to recover out loud and you want to make yourself available. Make yourself available. <laughs> you better turn be available. Because there's nothing worse than somebody going, hey, you can call me anytime. And then at 2 o'clock in the morning when the phone rings, that person goes, ah, it's just so-and-so. I'll call him in the morning. And there's nothing to call back. There's nothing oh. to call back. Oh. Right. You make the commitment. Stay with it. Yeah. You know. Food for thought. Mm, absolutely. Food for thought. No, good. Fair questions to ask. Yeah. You know, those are. Our job is not to be a lap dog. It's to be a watchdog. And those are those yeah. are the questions that yeah. need to be asked. Because, see, this is and, and, and this is what's important as well. There are organizations out there that are talking about the fentanyl crisis. Mm -hmm. And it's important that they continue to do so. But what we're talking about right now is, and, and let's just take our law enforcement people who I adore. And when they go into these schools, yeah, they're doing it. They're talking about it. I love it. But nobody's going to call them on a, on, a, on a Thursday night at 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. unless somebody's dead. That's when they get the phone call. These people have to know who to call. Yeah. Right? They need to keep pushing it. They need to keep doing these things. Because I'll tell you what, I, I, I respect the hell out of DEA. I respect the hell out of our district attorney's office. But nobody's calling them unless somebody's dead. Again, just food for thought. Yeah. Well, Mr. Anderson. Well, Mr. Lachance. <laughs> Nick, thanks. Thank you for having me. It's hey, been a pleasure. This has been great. This is this this has been just fantastic. And um, again, what you, what you guys do, what you've done, um, is is to be more than commended. Hmm. You know, uh, again, you know, fifteen years ago, those first four or five years, you know, trying to get anything. Uh, on a, on, a, on a news cycle was just damn near impossible, you know? And you guys have, Channel 30 has been w w with us the entire time, you know? There's people within Channel 30 that have, you know, um, that have, have fought this fight, you know, alongside me. Yeah. And, uh, and we're grateful for you guys, we really are. I take a lot of pride in that. We have really taken this on, just as you guys have, to be there. I feel that as a station, we've taken it on. We know that viewers expect it from us, yeah. and we know that they're going to listen when we when we do a story about fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Pain Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or visit us online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok 
at Pain Nonprofit. And please subscribe to the Don't Hide the Scars podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. And if you would like to donate to Pain, Parents and Addicts in Need, please click the link in the description to make your tax-deductible donation today and help us save more lives gripped by addiction.